Welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you're here. Whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online, our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I, I'm excited. I've been waiting for this day to be able to worship with you, to worship our, our coming King, the Savior of the world. And, and I don't know about what, what, what your uh, season has been like, but this has been one of the best Christmases, uh, Christmas seasons that I, I've gone through. Uh, it was a great season here at our church. Uh, we did a, a, an at-the-movie series where we saw a lot of people come to know Christ personally and be set free from things and, and have their lives radically transformed. We, we did a, um, a family Christmas service on Sunday called Jingle Jam, and that was phenomenal. Uh, and then personally, we've had a great Christmas season. We put up all of our Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving, which I know is sacrilegious to some of you. Uh, but for us, uh, it, it worked out uh, really well. We got to go look at Christmas lights. We... Uh, have eaten a lot of food, participated in the town events, drank way too much hot chocolate. It has been a great, great Christmas. Now, I know for some of you, you might be thinking, well, Ernest, it doesn't sound like that abnormal. Like, what made it so great? Now, have you ever realized you can do something that, that is normal or something you've done a, a thousand times, but when you do it with somebody that you love, when you're experiencing that same thing with people that you care about, it makes the experience that much greater. Like, uh, my wife and I, we're uh, coming up on 19 years in just a couple days when we celebrate 19 years. We, we were dating a few years prior to that. One of our first dates was to play basketball. I had to see if my girl could shoot the ball or not, you know. And so I remember that date. Like, it's etched into my memory. Like, I remember the court. It was a muggy day. Uh, my wife... Um, wasn't going to be getting any scholarship offers to play basketball, you know, but it was, the experience was phenomenal, something that I will always remember. You see, when you're with the right people, it takes a, great, a good experience and it makes it great. And conversely, it can take a, a, a bad experience or maybe something that you don't like to do and it can make it bearable or make it actually enjoyable. Another one of our, our early dates was to play tennis. And I don't know anything about tennis. I don't watch tennis. I don't play tennis or anything like that. But I remember that date because it was a time where we just got to hang out with each other. Like I got to know her more and just be with her. And any time you're with people that you love and you want to be around, it takes a good experience. It makes it great. It takes a, uh, maybe a, a, a bad a time or, or something you don't like to do or a hard time, and it makes it bearable and sometimes uh, even uh, hopeful and enjoyable. Well, this is what we celebrate as followers of Christ. As a follower of Christ, what we celebrate at Christmas is that the very presence of one can change us. The very presence of one can change us and the circumstances that, that we're walking through. And here's what I recognize. I recognize on a day like today, we have a lot of people uh, who are maybe in the room, maybe you are watching online, that uh, you're, you're not on the same uh, faith journey as some of us. Maybe you don't know what, what your faith is right now and you know, somebody just kind of dragged you here. You came here out of obligation or maybe you're a part of a different faith system, a different belief system. And I want you to know if that's you, I'm so thankful that you're here. You are welcome in this place. And my hope and prayer is that what we talk about over the next few minutes, that uh, it, will, it will help you take a step toward God. It will help you take a step toward the God that we celebrate, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. Now, this idea that, that the very presence of one can change us, that there's actually a theological term for God's presence. It's called the incarnation. The incarn what? It's the incarnation. The incarnation literally means God with us, that God came down here in the flesh. Like the, the God of the universe decided to visit us. This is what it says in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. 
And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that word, word, in the Greek is the word logos. And logos, to the Greek people, meant this impersonal uh, force that kind of directed the, the existence of the world. Not a god. They didn't want to worship a god like that. But the, to the Greek people, logos meant the very one who spoke existence into being. Uh, spoke this world into being, and they called him God, and they worshiped him as God. So what this passage is saying is that the word God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Why would he do that? I mean, why would the, the man up there, the, the head honcho, the one who holds all the cards, why would he come and visit us? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told why. Matthew chapter 1, it says this, she'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why did God come? Why did God come in the flesh? To save us. To save us from what? To save us from our sins. You see, all humanity, every single human has sin, and, and our sin separates us from God. You see, God is holy, and God is pure, and so he can't be with sin. So when we choose the sin, we are separating ourselves from God. And, but God loves us so much that he didn't want there to be this gap between us and him. He wanted to, to bring us back together with him. But the only way that was to happen was for this perfect sacrifice, for somebody to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. And so Jesus was that. But why would God choose this plan? I mean, God is God. He can do anything he wants. He chooses this plan to send himself down here in the flesh. Like, why would he do that? And why would he do it now, at that time? Why wouldn't he do it, like, at a cooler time period of history? Like, why wouldn't he do it now where he could get, like, an In-N-Out burger and go watch the Nuggets play? Like, at that time, there was no TV. There was no Internet. There was no indoor plumbing. Why would he choose then? Well, I love this. At the end of this passage, it tells us exactly why God came. It says, we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He wanted to be with you. He wanted to be with you and I. He wanted to be God with us. Now, can you imagine that conversation? Imagine, I'm not saying this conversation happened. Imagine the conversation up in heaven. God, God looks over at Gabriel and says, hey, Gabe. I'm sure, pretty sure he shortened his name. Gabriel's the, the angel that he sent to Mary. He says, hey, I got, a, I got a mission for you. All right, what's the mission, God? Well, I'm going to send you to this girl named Mary, and she, you're going to like her. She's pretty awesome. She's pure. She loves us, and she really tries to devote her life to us, and she's going to be the mother of Jesus. Wait, the mother of Jesus? What are you talking about? Jesus doesn't have a mother. Like, Jesus is actually over there. He created me. Jesus doesn't have a mother. Yes, but I'm sending him to the people. To be sent to the people, he has to be sent of a woman, and and, well, okay, so then who's the father? Like, who's Jesus' father? Well, I'm his father, but Mary will be married to a guy named Joseph. Now, Joseph's a really good dude. I'm pretty sure God would use that word as well. He's a really good dude. Now, you don't know, you won't know a whole lot about Joseph's, Joseph's life. I mean, with Mary, there's going to be songs sung about her, statues will be made to her and all that. But Joseph, he's just a dude. So we don't really know that much about, about his life. Okay, God, so tell me more about this story. Well, Jesus is going to be born in a trough, like literally a trough that, that, that the animals feed out of. God, why would you do that? 
Like, why not like, let him be born in a palace, something that's fit for a king? Because we're not doing this, what's fit for Jesus is what's fit for the people. You see, I'm sending Jesus not just to die for the powerful and the rich and, and all of that, but I'm sending him to die for the everyday person, for the normal, for you and I. All right, tell me more about this story. Well, once Jesus is born, there's this guy named Herod, and he's the king, and, and he, his kingship feels threatened because he's told that there's this baby, this child king that has been born. So he's going to kill every kid to and under in that area. So I'm going to send Jesus off with his parents to Egypt. When I'm ready, he's going to come back. He's going to have all power, like supernatural. He's fully God and fully man, which means if Jesus is taking a bath and he doesn't want to sit in the water, he'll have the power to part the waters and sit on dry tub. You know, if, if his mother decides to feed him green beans and he doesn't want to eat that, he could turn it into chocolate cake. He's got all power to do whatever he wants, but he won't abuse it. In fact, he's going to use that power to, to help people, to care for people, to, to do, he's going to do some pretty incredible miracles. In fact, the very first miracle he's going to do, he's going to turn water into wine. Oh, man, God, I bet the people love that one. I bet they're really good. Yeah, they will. And that wine is going to be the best wine they've ever had. The people, everyone loved it, except maybe the Baptists. But everybody else loved it. And what's crazy is that you would think that the more miracles that he does, I mean, he heals people who are blind. He heals people that they can't hear. He raises people from the dead. And you would think that by doing all these miracles and showing his love that the people would gravitate toward him. They would, they would begin to love him, but they don't. In fact, they begin to call him a lunatic, a drunkard, even an enemy of of me. And if you think that's bad, that, that it, toward the end there, it gets even worse where his followers, the people that he has invested years into, they're going to reject him. They're going to walk away. In fact, Peter is one of those. And Peter would say, hey, God, I'm going to be with you, Jesus, till the very end. And then he denies Jesus three times. The time when Jesus needs people the most, he walks away. God, why would you choose that plan? I mean, why wouldn't you choose something else? Because this is the plan. This is the way that I'm going to save my people from their sins. There needs to be a perfect sacrifice. And I'm going to send Jesus as that perfect sacrifice so that people could have life. And when Jesus dies on that cross, the earth is going to shake. There's a great earthquake and the clouds will turn black and the people will lose hope. But they won't lose hope forever. Back three days later, I'm going to send the women to the tomb. And when they get there, the stone that was covering the tomb will be rolled away. And Jesus' body won't be there. Wait, where's Jesus' body going to be? He's going to be resurrected. And he's going to show his power over death and over sin. He's going to set people free and give them real life. It's a pretty good plan, God. And this is what we celebrate this time of year. Like even with all the great things that we do at Christmas, I mean the lights and the presents and the food and all, like everything about Christmas is amazing. Not shopping at Target during this time. That's like purgatory and not good. I almost lost my salvation yesterday at Target. But other than that, like everything about Christmas is pretty good. But the whole point of this season is to celebrate Jesus. And when we get to this point, we have to ask ourselves a few questions. The first question is, what was Jesus' mission? Like, what was his mission? Like, why send a baby? Why send a baby to, to be raised up and live a perfect life and then die and all of that? Well, John 10.10 John 10, 10 kind of gives us a, an understanding of what God was doing. This is Jesus' words. He says, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
have it to the full. So what was Jesus' mission? It was to bring us life and life to the full. You see, God didn't create you to live a boring, hopeless, lifeless existence. He created you for more. He created you to have such joy and contentment that like, man, my life can't be any better than it is right now. But the problem is the world offers us this counterfeit substitute. The world says if you do this, if you partake in this, if you believe this, if you vote this way, if you do these things, then you're going to be happy. You're going to have satisfaction in life. But it's just a counterfeit. When we partake in those things, when we, when we think the world will give us what we ultimately long for, then we end up broken, hopeless, longing for something so much more that Jesus says, I've come to bring you that more. I've come to give you exactly what you're longing for, but here's the reality. There's so many of us right now, if we're being real honest, we look at our situation and we go, man, I'm not living that, that full life. Like my life feels broken right now or feels empty. Or maybe I feel lost or alone. Like what Jesus promises us to bring me life and life to the full, I don't, I don't really have that right now in my life. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, the fact that God has come to offer us this, that this is a promise. So the first question is, what is his mission? It's to bring us life and life to the full. The second question is, who did Jesus come for? I mean, who did he come for? And I, I love this passage in, in Mark chapter 2. It says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, God didn't come for those who were healthy, for those who thought they have it all together, for those who, who believe they're perfect, for those who think, man, everything in my life is just perfect. I'm good. I don't need anything. God didn't come for those people. God came for the sick. He didn't come for the righteous, but for the sinners. He came for me. If you've ever thought, man, God, God can't love me, he came for you. If you've ever thought, man, God can't forgive me for what I've done at this point in my life, God came for you. Sometimes we have a harder time. Sometimes it takes longer for us to forgive ourselves than it does for God to forgive us. And God's saying, I didn't come for those who think they're perfect. I came for those who are broken, for those who are lost, for those who are hopeless, for those who are longing for so much more and not finding it in the world around them. I came for those individuals. He came for the mom who, who thinks, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I ever have it all together. Like by, I, I don't know how much I'm messing up my kids, but I'm pretty sure I am at some point. He came for the dad who who does so much to give so much and yet feels so empty. He came for the teenager that, that thinks, if I, if I just do this, if I'm just with this person, if I just do this over here, then, then I'll find satisfaction, I'll find happiness. And yet we end up broken and lonely. God says, I came for you. So who did he come for? He came for not the healthy and not the righteous, but he came for the sick and the broken and the sinners. Maybe the biggest question that we should ask and the one that impacts our life the most, depending on how we answer it, is what difference does it make? What difference does it make? I mean, like if you're on a different faith journey and you hear the story about Jesus, maybe for some of you for the first time, you might be going, yeah, but what difference does it make in my life? Like how is it going to impact me? What's it going to change about my life? And if you're a follower of Christ, 
and you've given your life to, to Jesus, and, and you believe this story, you've accepted that, you've accepted what God's done for you, but you might be going, but I'm not living this full life. Like, it doesn't feel very full right now. What difference does it make? The fact that God came to be with you makes all the difference in the world. You see, before I was a follower of Christ, when I would go through uh, things in my life, uh, challenging moments, hardships, pain, suffering, when I would walk through those things, I would, I would try to medicate the pain with alcohol and with drugs. There were times where I would think, man, this world would be better off if I wasn't here. Like, it might just be a lot easier if I would just end this thing right now. There were times that, and maybe you've been here before, where I could be surrounded by a lot of people, a lot of friends and family and all that, and feel very, very alone. You see, when I didn't have Christ, I didn't know God was with me. So when I would walk through these moments, it was really hard. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. But when I eventually gave my life over to Jesus... When I trusted that the story we, we hear about on Christmas and Easter and other times throughout the year, when we hear this story, we're like when I actually trusted that, like that God did what he said he was going to do, that, that God is trustworthy and all of that, I realized he's with me. And God being with me, it didn't always change my circumstances. Like God being with me didn't mean that I wasn't going to go through pain, that I wasn't going to walk through suffering. That, that life wasn't going to have incredible challenges ahead of me. But knowing that God is with me, that the good and faithful and comforting God is with me, it allowed me to experience peace. It allowed me to hold on to hope, to be able to actually live this life that's full, not because my circumstances changed. They didn't. But because I knew that my God was with me that he loved me, that he cared about me. And here's what I know based on the many conversations I've had over the last few weeks. There's a lot of us in this place and some of us watching online that, man, we're in a really hard spot. Like some of us, this is the hardest season we've ever walked through. This is the worst Christmas we're walking into. Some of us, it's because we look at our situation, we never thought that we would be where we are. We thought life would look very different than where we're at right now. For others of us, we've been walking through some pain and some tragedy in our lives. For others of us, we're walking into this first Christmas without a loved one. Like a person that we're used to calling, we're used to celebrating this day with, and they're no longer here. There's a lot of us right now that are just in an incredible season of pain. And knowing that Jesus came as a baby, knowing that he came to bring us life and all of that, here's the reality. It doesn't always take away your pain. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you're walking through. I don't believe it was God's plan. But I, knew, I do know that the God of the universe is with us, that he promises to never leave us or forsake us, that he says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. These are promises from his word. And when we draw near to him, he draws near to us, and, and we realize that God is with us. He gives us exactly what we need when we need it. Maybe not always exactly what we think we need, but exactly what he knows that we need. If you feel lost, he is your guide. 
If you feel alone, he is your companion. If you are hurting, he's your comforter. If you're afraid, he is your peace. If you're sick, he's your healer. If you're weak, he is your strength. If you feel trapped in sin, he is the savior of the world. He is exactly what you need when you need it. We just have to come to him because he's with us. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but here's what I do know. That Christmas, what we celebrate on this day, during this time, what we'll celebrate tomorrow when we wake up, is the fact that God loved you so much that he didn't stay in heaven. He came down here to earth. Because he's crazy about you. Because he loves you so deeply that he couldn't stay away from you. Like he's for you. Like not just like a little bit for you. Not just like kind of for you. Like he's all the way for you. He's completely for you. He's 100% for you. And so because he's for you, because he loves you, he wants to be with you. I don't know what you're walking through. For some of us, this is a sweet season. It's been a great Christmas time and we're looking forward to tomorrow and all of that. One day we'll walk into something where we need to remember this truth. For others of us, this has not been a sweet season. This has been anything but. And we deeply, deeply need to, like there are things that we need, like, hey, God, I I need you to provide financially. Hey, God, I I need you to, to show up and bring healing. And hey, God, but here's what I know that we need the most. We need God's presence. We need to know that he's right here. And he sees you. He knows your name, he knows your story, and he's sitting with you. He is with you. And at Christmas, that's what we celebrate. This God who was given the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you just so much for your word. I thank you for Christmas. God, even in all the, the hecticness and the busyness and, and, and God, the, the joys of things and the lights and the presence and all of that, God, that ultimately what we celebrate is the fact that you loved us so much. You loved us so much that you wanted to be with us. And God, you know what each person in this room is walking through right now. God, you know those who desperately need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that you are with them. And so I pray, Father, that your presence would be so thick in their lives right now that, God, when they wake up tomorrow, they would feel so loved, so comforted. They would be given that peace. Whatever it is, God, that they need, Father, you provide it because you are the God who sees us and loves us wants to be with us. God, we also know this whole conversation starts with us first drawing near to you. God, that you've already provided the way, you've already done your part. But for some of us, if we're being real honest, we came into this place feeling far from you, wondering if you see us, wondering if you even know our names anymore. And God, for some of us, we have felt so close to you at some point in our lives. And for others of us, God, this is a very new journey. And we're hearing the the Christmas story for the first time. 
But God, no matter how we walked into this place, God, you want us to come home. You want us to come home. And so if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, we do this every single week at Front Range. The last two services, so many people making this decision. If that's you and you'd say, man, I came into this place, honestly, Ernest, just feeling kind of far from God. Like, man, I don't even know if he sees me. Sahmahal in this conversation, God is telling you, I see you, I love you, and I'm with you. And you want to make a decision to follow Christ or make a, a recommitment to Christ to say, hey, I want to trust God again. I want to know that I know that I know that he is with me. If that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you, God, for... The fact that you know our name, you see us, I pray that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God, that you are with us in this moment. In Jesus' name.